Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Are you in fashion? Are you in fashion? fashion. Uh, kind of, yeah. Kinda? I kind of just wear whatever I want. don't really follow any trends. Jeans in the hoodie will do me. Do you like any kind of specific forms of, sort of music and does that influence yep. what you wear? Uh, hip-hop, but doesn't really influence the way I dress or my fashion, really. Sports shoes, but when I was 20 and 30, sports shoes were quite rare. Now they're everywhere. My heels are killing me. There is one pair in particular that I have probably eight pairs of. Eight of the same pair of shoes? That's Phil Bell, a.k.a. DJ Severe. And no, he's not talking about heels, but sneakers, which we'll get to in a moment. I'm Sonia Sly, your host for My Heels Are Killing Me, and in this season we take a bit of a broader look at how culture informs the fashion landscape. In this instance, it's the synergy between hip-hop music and fashion. How do they blend? What are the influences? What's in and what's out? And what's at the heart of it? So I headed to Auckland. But first, DJ Sevilla's take on New Zealand hip-hop style. It was definitely about taking cues from Americans and then trying to figure out how to work it into your own style. In New Zealand, you'll get called out pretty quickly. Oh, you're trying to be like that guy. So in, in the early days, because you couldn't get everything either. Getting so like limited fashion. Very was, limited. So you had to kind of work it into what you were working with. There's definitely a, an amount of individualism involved, but you created that. Because I couldn't look like Run DMC because I, I couldn't afford all that. But, you know, that's a bigger story too about... The influence of American culture on New Zealand's version of hip-hop. It's easy for people to say you're just copying, but it's pretty easy to disprove that that theory by what's put out. If I put out a New Zealand hip-hop song, you know it's New Zealand. If I rapped an American accent, that would be weird. Some people do it, and I have no problem with it. But there's always something inherently New Zealand about outside or hip-hop. Same with your fashion. And for DJ Suvia, sneakers are a massive part of his style. Fashion is identity in hip-hop. In the early 70s, setting yourself apart to be a hip-hop person, to be somewhat of a rebel, to be somewhat of make a statement about you as a person, that was a real thing. So what you wore 100% was part of who you are. And then the sneakers were definitely part of it because in hip-hop culture, dance is a huge part of it. You couldn't really look good dancing without cool sneakers on. When you were showing off or flexing, it was important to have the whole package. Because, I mean, there's even a, a different way you tie the, the laces, right? There's like 50 ways you can tie the laces. From the ladder to the loop back, bushwalk, hidden knot, checkerboard, footback, zipper, riding bow, twisty, sorted, hatch. I'm a standard guy. I like how they come out of the box. In America especially, people are real big on tying their laces differently. There's like a graph, it looks pretty cool. And here's the moment you've all been waiting for. Okay. Wow. So, Heather, you've got to drag the box off. The shoes. 
FYI. We're actually up in the studio at My FM where Severe works as a DJ and he's just finished his daytime shift. And I understand that you have about 500 pairs. Yeah, maybe more than that. More? Yeah, I've got two storage units. Just um, specifically for shoes? Yeah, yeah. And you know where everything is? I'm <laughs> just slightly <laughs> bewildered because you collect these things, you don't necessarily have them in front of you. Like, how, how does one appreciate pairs of, of shoes that are designed to be worn, but they're in containers, in boxes? So I do actually try and wear everything. Plus, the sneaky heads, generally speaking, have a, ro- a rotation. At home, I've got about 100 pairs that I'm currently rotating. So every day I'll go and I put a different pair on. And then once every six months, I go to the storage unit, put them all back in and take another 100 out. So I keep wearing them. And yeah. what, if, what if you're wearing them and it gets marked? Like, what do you do? You don't care? So be it. I've got a pair here that people cannot believe that I wore, but I wore them. So these are on ice, so to speak? Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay. Yep. Which doesn't mean putting them in the freezer, but... It means that they are... Untouched, also known as dead stock. Some people do that because they want to retain the resale value so that they can resell them for more later on. And some people do it because they just can't bring themselves to wear them, which is me on some occasions. <laughs> then some people do it um, because, say, for instance, you really like a shoe, then you might buy two pairs and wear one and then have one stashed away. That's just how it works. DJ Severe is a self confessed sneakerhead and has been collecting them for 25 years. He's brought six pairs of his favourites for me to see, and each has a story behind it. So, back to the eight pairs of the same shoe. Fire Red 5, that I really love the shoe. So when I got married, I put all my, because my kids were my groomsmen, I put them all in the same shoe. So for me, it, it holds a lot of, you know, sentimental value, and it's my favourite. What's so special about it? It's just beautiful. <laughs> It was what, worn aerodynamic? By, yeah, it's like it was a game changer from a design perspective. It's modelled after an aeroplane by um, Tinker Hatfield. You know, worn in some incredible games by Michael Jordan. He kept it in bounds. Here it is again. I choose to collect Jordan. Jordan is the biggest brand in the world, apart from Nike as a, as a band, but this is like a singular um, numbered brand. The reason I like the Jordan 10 is because I saw Jordan play in, in person. I travelled to Chicago, saw him play. Now, the first time I ever saw him in person, he walked on the court, he's wearing Air Jordan 10. So that instantly became my favourite. Ironically, he never really liked the shoe. but <laughs> So it's got a white upper, white leather upper, 23 on the heel. And um, is that Jordan's number, is it? Yeah. Okay. And then it's got a red sole and then black highlights. These reverse versions with silver lining. When it came out, it wasn't that popular. Now it's everyone wants them, but th- I've never worn this, this particular pair. But you buy them in your size? Yep. In my wedding party, there was four pairs. I have another pair that I, I bought when they originally came out, which are virtually unwearable now. Because I loved it so much, I just kept picking them up. Well, that's what comes with being a sneakerhead. Obsession. So when they first came out in the 90s, they were very expensive. Like, ridiculous. Even by today's standards. Really? Like, how much? They're like $480 a pair. It was ridiculous. I went, I went through the stage where sneakers weren't hot. So sneakers are big now, but back then they weren't. But even in like a hip hop kind of like yeah, but they vibe, just, they weren't they weren't the thing. They were, but they kind of weren't either. Like people weren't really onto it. And then now those shoes that I was buying are worth thousands of dollars because oh, they're originals. But and that's something you'd expect, or at least hope to see, in a collection of more than five hundred pairs of sneakers. And Sophia has a few comfortable pairs, including a pair of Jordan Eleven Space Jams. In the movie, Michael Jordan made Space Jam. 
Pardon me, Mr. Jordan. Could I have your auto, auto, uh, your John Hancock? What's going on here? We need your help. He wears these, not this pair, but he wears this particular shoe. It's got a branding on. It's got a forty-five on the heel. What does a forty-five um, represent? Because when he came back from retirement, he wore forty-five instead of twenty-three. This um, rolled leather here is not on any other version that came out of this. So there's a bit of uh, mystery surrounding this shoe. It was a sample that was never released. And what's more, Souvere was sponsored by Nike at the time, so we didn't pay a cent. Now they're worth... 10,000 US, but they could probably go for 20 grand. Word has it there's probably 20-odd pairs in existence, maybe. Which brings us to the Air Jordan 11, which industry insiders call... The greatest sneaker of all time. It's chunkier than the new kind of streamlined sneaker you get today because it's got a kind of retro 90s feel. These are 94, I think. So the patent leather thing's still kicking around because of this shoe, not so much other one. And the way I describe the next pair, the disco version of, of the sneaker world, I don't know, because, you know, they do have a bit of, like, glam factor to them. So this is a, co- a collaboration between Drake, you know, who's a pretty huge um, musician? Uh, musician now. And the Jordan brand. So this this Jordan Drake thing is there's been music collaborations happening for a while, but this is this is a pretty big one. Um, so there's two pairs of these. Um, there's the white Shiny. ones and the black ones. Wow, it's got like the kind of like metallic sort of yeah speckled type detail yeah. on it. Um, these are pretty hard to come by, and they're pretty expensive. But they were. Um, I mean, I like the artist, and I like Jordan's, and I'd like the 10. And while Sevilla has kicks that have been in their boxes for a while, there's a new pair in town. They're two days old when we meet up. Probably one of the biggest releases that'll be out this year. It was huge. Air Jordan 3 Retro. Yeah, there's been a lot of excitement around that. Black and grey with little red details. and print. This has become a really big part of sneaker culture. The other ones I have here are... Um, and my favourite of the six pairs have a subtle print on the surface of the shoe from manga comic Slam Dunk. It's unexpected and pretty darn clever. The print's also featured on the box. It's so collectible. So in Asia, sneaker culture is massive. I don't know everything about it, but I do like the shoe. So is this designed for the Asian market? Yeah, that's the intention that they wanted to to engage with the Asian market. So this was pretty big. Having a sneaker obsession means also attending international conventions where consumers not only have their eye on what's on offer and what's coming next, but also on each other's kicks. Talk about competitive. The one in New York City is, is astronomically huge. It's maybe 10,000 people go to it. It's called SneakerCon. They brought it to Australia. So, you know, if you're going to go to Australia and all the boys go and, and there's a few thousand people there, you know, you want to go wear your best shoes. So I, I wore these ones. Yeah, these are called Ray Allen 13s, PE, which means player exclusive. White leather upper green highlight, which was um, because he was playing for the Celtics at the time. Now, they released the shoe on the anniversary of him breaking the record of the number of three-pointers three hit, 1,500 or something. So I think that they retail around 2,500 US now. Did you just hear my jaw hit the ground? They're dirty now, because I wore them at SneakerCon, but everyone was kind of like, oh my God, you're wearing those shoes. I'm like, I bought them for 600 on my honeymoon, actually, so they've got multiple meanings to me. If I try to sell them right now, they go half the price. It's just leather and glue. It's my decision what I do, isn't it? And with an avid collector, there's always a hunger for what's coming next. There's like 10 things I've got my eye on next. The amount of money that these companies are making. Yeah. It's outrageous. Well, it's easy when there's suckers like me <laughs> that want to buy them, so yeah, yeah.
So you're wearing a Dickies, a Breaks NZ top, because that's your crew. Yes, Tango, yeah, and then the Pro Kids, and I guess my jacket. Which brings us swiftly to Kent Christensen, a.k.a. B-Boy Step 1. He's a dancer who does breaking, an offshoot of breakdancing. B-Boy is short for break boy, and the style of dance originated in the early 70s in the Bronx. And it turns out that there's a bit of B-Boy culture here. It started in 97 with a crew called Facey Rockers, so I took the first steps to create the crew. And run events and competitions, and importantly... Step out first within the battles. Is there a particular style that a B-Boy should have? I mean, <laughs> Depending on the generation, I guess. Like, what I grew up watching and learning from was the original like Rock City, kind of like the Brooklyn, kind of Bronx, New York kind of style. So for me, um, like the original kind of style, kind the Kango, the Pro Cares, yeah, the, the um, gra- graffiti uh, jackets. That's actually a graffiti writer down in Wellington, uh, Juice One, uh, one of the Time Bandit boys down there. I used to work for the Puma shop, so I swapped eight pairs of Pumas for my jacket. <laughs> eight pairs of Pumas? <laughs> is that how much the um, jacket is worth? They're probably six, seven hundred bucks if you want to get one custom made. The things we do for fashion, right? Is that meant to be you on the back? Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I got a little sort puma of. kind of hat. Sort of. Sort all of. blinged up and I'm um, like really. But hey, it's about authenticity and identity. And for Kent, most of the B-boys from his generation also had custom jackets made, which have roots in US. Gang kind of culture, uh, Zulu Nation, African Bambada. So he actually transformed it into a dance style. But then, like, the, the biker gang kind of, like, patches and stuff like that for the gangs kind of transformed into the hip-hop. So they just started doing the, the jackets. Kent's aesthetic references 80s and 90s style. And with b-boy fashion, it's a must for everything you wear to be spick and span and to stand out in a crowd. And it's supposed to look clean on the floor. So if you have, like, dirty kicks or dirty clothes or anything like that when you're dancing... In the battle, they kind of um, can use that against you. Like your shoes, if your shoes are all scuffed on the sides because they're your practice shoes, and you can say to them, oh, you're not very clean footwork, you know, your style is whack. Or, Gosh, sounds like being at school all over again. And it kind of puts you off your game a little bit, so you want to present yourself as best as you can. Have you ever had that happen to you on the floor? <laughs> yeah. Really? What <laughs> kind of thing? It's just a battle. So anything like that is, I guess, like just tactics people use. Like b these days, like new generation, the ones that have been doing it for like, say, five years or even one one year, they don't quite get it yet. Um, so they rock up to an event and they kind of just bring them with the wizard crowd. Like you should be able to look around a crowd at an event and know who the b-boy is. Okay. Just pretty much based on what they're dressed So what are they wearing, like hoodies and just baggy pants? Or... Yeah. And just like hip-hop, shoes are an essential part of the style equation. If you turn up to an event, um, you usually have two pairs of kicks. So one that you, you rock in with, like your first set, and then the other set for the actual battles. You form a character when you walk into the event, the venue. Like, everything you wear, you should be able to dance any time. In terms of the fashion, it's competitive. (laughs) Yeah, competitive, but also shows that you have, I guess, respect for the dance and the culture because you understand that fashion and how you present yourself is a big bit of the dance as well. So your lifestyle, your talk, how you walk, how you dress, how you dance, should all kind of match. As a b-boy, you kind of stick to, like, the traditional kind of style. But could you not come in with some new take on fashion as your own personal character? You can. Um, so there's a certain recipe, but you can mix it up however you want. How do you mix it up? Um, Customise everything, so the jackets, your t-shirts for your crew, 
how you wear your shoes. I've kind of got them so that they don't fall off when I'm dancing. Because <laughs> if a shoe flies off when you're dancing, that's pretty much killed your whole set, really. Yeah. It would be a bit embarrassing. Have you seen that happen to yes, anyone? Yes. Right. <laughs> and straight away, everyone kind of laughs and stuff. What's something <laughs> that, you, that a b-boy should never wear? Anything, really, that you buy from a normal shop. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, really. Or, like, like dress kind of clothing. Or shirts, you know, like the button shirts, because it's just impractical. Like any of the buttons, all the moves, you'll just bust them up. Or like anything tight, because um, when you're dancing, you sweat a lot. So if you're dancing and you're sweaty, it's not a good look. You always want to look fresh, and so dark colours is usually all the, always the way that a lot of dancers go. But black always looks slick too, right? <laughs> so yeah, Kent is also a low rider, and these bikes are low. It's also like a kind of prop that helps them stand out in the b-boy scene. It's the same with our bike culture too, is no one bike should be the same. So it kind of has things its own little character to it as well. And a bit about the bike. It's a pimped-up custom-made bike with a colourful upholstered banana seat with about four rear-view mirrors and even tiny pom-poms and... Twisted mufflers. <laughs> Uh, spinners, like little shuriken kind of things. Like ninja. Ninja stars, yeah. <laughs> Got a steering wheel. Yeah, I know, right? A steering wheel. You can steer it, but it's okay. impractical. And by the way, the bike is about two feet tall. So it used to be big in New Zealand probably about ten years ago, but it's actually died down because nobody sees them these days. Does that mean that what you're doing um, is not cool? <laughs> no, that's the idea, is like to do something that's not mainstream or... Yep. Mainstream is out. No sponsorship, and even if an event is sponsored, hardcore b-boys and b-girls just won't turn up. Everyone likes being unique and presenting themselves, and when you ride around, people look at you like, oh, I don't usually see that. Now, if we do like street jams, I always rock up my bike, so I ride in, park my bike, and then have a jam as well with the, with the dancers. Now, while b-boying is a male-dominated sport, there are b-girls in the mix too. B-girl style is a funny thing. I think that every girl, every woman has their own sort of take on it. I like to wear jackets and I like to wear, you know, like layers. So then you kind of can add a bit more style to your look as opposed to just wearing a t-shirt and jeans, you know? This is Canadian dancer Jodie Stewart, a.k.a. B-girl Nossie. She started breaking when she went to London and became immersed in the scene when she moved to Auckland. I like wearing hats too. I like to save my trainers for, for the battle so that I always have a tidy pair for, for breaking. Your B-girl name, where did that come from? You know, NOS that you have in a car, like when you do car racing, the NOS gas is what makes it go really, really fast. I'm always like, yep, let's do that, yep, sounds good. Really spontaneous and really just like go get them kind of attitude, so that was how the name came. How is the B-girl style kind of different to B-boy style? Some chicks like to be like real bossy and real like tomboy wearing caps and, and keeping baggy and you know like trackies and track jackets and stuff like that and having that real old school kind of hip hop look which is sweet but other girls want to be more feminine and more like wear like floral and you know like rock the rock the buttons and you know like look fresh like the girl Roxy she's from England and She's always wearing lippy and she's always coming in like looking fly, looking feminine. I like keeping a, a feminine look even though because it's quite a male-dominated dance form and it's nice to be a B-girl and be feminine. Shots, I be getting money, got my own thing, yeah. Big 
what trends do you sort of feel like you are kind of into at the moment that you've kind of given your own spin on? Uh, that's quite hard. I think that it's probably easier to do more new trends and things overseas where, where there's more of a market for like really fashionable, really trendy kind of stuff. New Zealand's not really like that. And even like the New Zealand breaking scene style-wise has sort of gone down the drain a little bit. Like B-Boys like, oh, no. rock up to events in their track pants nowadays. When I first came to New Zealand, which was in um, 2008, you know, B-Boys were like looking fly. The team would look like they were together. They'd be matching their shoes with the cap and like still making an effort. And then it sort of like slid into this more like most b-boys wearing like khaki pants and then now the it seems like the trend is like slippery black track pants and even worldwide there's sort of a this trend towards like being more sporty when they're dancing as opposed to like being really styly which is kind of what maybe it was sporty back then too like all the guys in all of their track suits that's kind of sporty but maybe athleisure has a lot to answer for too like, there's one b-boy in New Zealand, his name's Hugger. He comes flat-looking fresh. Like, he would come in a, in a floral shirt, you know, as a, for a man that's quite out there in New Zealand, for, you know, a guy to come really colourful. There's another b-boy in Christchurch, his name's Grub D, and he, he's a chef, and he, wears this, he always wears his, like, chef jacket when he breaks. You know, it's kind of this Asian-inspired, like, chef jacket. Even even Acorn, who's another b-boy, but he's over in uh, Australia. He's got a signature look. He wears those khaki pants all the time and t-shirt. So, so if he wasn't wearing those khaki pants, you'd be going, oh my God, who yeah. is this guy? Yeah, yeah. He's not wearing his thing, wearing his khaki pants. I don't know about you, but I definitely think there's an area here in New Zealand for somebody to create a b-girl or b-boy brand. There's this uh, b-girl in Australia started her own fashion label, which was quite cool. Ting. In uh, Australia, her brand is called Kerb, which is break backwards. And she makes beanies and she's got jackets. And you see B-girls like rocking Ting stuff, which is really cool because it's fashionable, you know, and one of a kind and aiming it at B-girls. You know, there's a B-girl in Australia. Her name's uh, Aotea and she, she wears a, a Ting jacket. And she looks really fresh when she rocks up to events. But for B-girl Nossi, breaking isn't just about the style. It's about the art form. I'm trying to raise up new B-girls. I'm trying to, like, inspire them and, and show them that they can be professional. They could, they could get really good. That was Jodie Stewart, a.k.a. B-girl Nossie. You also heard Kent Christensen, a.k.a. B-boy Step One, and DJ Severe. I'm Sonia Sly, your host and producer of My Heels Are Killing Me, and this episode was engineered by Mark Testerman. And this podcast also featured music from DJ Severe from Major Flavours. You'll find all of the Heels podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, Stitcher, Spotify and Radio Public or wherever you get your podcasts. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.